Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, November 5th. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Smith. You can check out all the shows all the time at MetsMarizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilverMedia, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm all over the place. There's not one way to get the show, and you should check it out. Whatever's the most convenient for you. Happy Sunday here, everybody, and uh, the baseball season, which has been over for Mets fans and in New York for a while, is officially over, and the Houston Astros are now the world champions, and, you know, you get the chance, if you're the Astros, to celebrate, take a quick blow, and it's really right at it. Uh, you know, I'm looking at going on some of the key dates here for the off season. It really starts right away, and... I'll be curious to see how things turn out uh, in terms of how quickly players start uh, jumping off the board. Anyway, uh, before I get to that, uh, because really the theme of this show with free agency being kicked off on Tuesday, uh, the qualifying offer, the deadline is tomorrow, and 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 uh, and then there's some award finalists announced on uh, tomorrow as well. We're, we're right into the off season here. So I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, what, what are we going to do? Uh, how are we going to do today's show? The GM meetings are in about a week. The winter meetings are over a month away. You know, Thanksgiving's just a few weeks away. It's amazing. The holidays are upon us. There's Christmas and Hanukkah and all sorts of holiday cheer in the department stores, even before Halloween. You know, it was interesting. So how am I going to navigate this show? We've, we've pretty much exhausted all the Mickey Calloway stuff. 
Uh, Mets announced uh, Dave Island as their pitching coach, which is a good move. Um, Mets announced uh, Gary DeSarcina as their, be- his, their bench coach. Their coaching staff, except for the assistant hitting coach position, is pretty much rounded up. Pat Rosler is going to be the hitting coach. Kevin Long went over to Washington. Ricky Bonus is coming back to be the bullpen coach. It has all pretty much come together. So the, the coaching staff is done. You know, There's not much more to say about that. You know, it's a chance for the Mets to now see, okay, these guys got to perform. Island is an interesting uh, uh, pitching coach candidate. He's had some success in Kansas City. Ryan Madsen uh, rejuvenated his career there. Jason Vargas, Jeremy Guthrie. Uh, you had some young arms like Danny Duffy over there that that developed. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on and maybe get a chance. Maybe we'll investigate a little bit what kind of pitching coach uh, Dave Island is with maybe somebody over in the Kansas City media. But I said, what's the best thing to do? And let's do a call-in show now. We've done a few of these over the course of the two years that I've been doing the Talking Mets podcast here on MetsmerizedOnline.com. And uh, I thought they were pretty much all successful, some better than others. And the last one I thought was going very well, uh, but I think there was a couple of things that were wrong with it. One, it was restrictive because it was a live call-in show, and you had to be listening live and had to call in. And I know that's not always easy for people, especially during a... What we have really gotten to is an on-demand type of entertainment situation. People want to watch things when they want to watch things. They want to listen to things when they want to listen to things. It's, it's basically the listener, the user, the customer just dictates everything. That's the way the world is right now. Appointment listening, appointment viewing is, is a very small percentage of things, probably only the games. And even the games with the DVRs and whatnot and, and MLB at bat and whatever, NBA videos on the NBA app. You could you could do whatever you pretty much want when you want it, just about staying away from the spoilers and things like that, you know, who who's you know, the scores and what have you, which could be tough. So I said, okay, um, let's try something different. And uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he suggested the Google Voice service, set up a Google Voice line, shoot it out there, and away we go. And, and that's what I'm trying to do tonight. So have a bunch of calls in the queue that are coming from you, the listeners. Uh, I did vet them very quickly to make sure everybody kept it clean. We only really had one silly phone call, and uh, I chucked that one. And I picked the best 10 to 12 that I could really find. I uh, couldn't take everything, but I think I pretty much got everybody that put a good effort in. And I really wanted to reward everybody who took the time today on a Sunday to, to call in, I mean, I think that that's a big deal. Any time, whether it's 30 seconds, an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, that you take time to do something to contribute to this program, I, I appreciate that, and I think you should be rewarded with your voice being heard. That's the point here. And it doesn't have to be something that uh, praises me or agrees with my point of view. That's not what it's about. I don't care. It's more about adding content and sometimes the silliness which is something that happened during our last live call and show. The silliness then uh, is the fact that we're trying to push to the side because you don't want people to turn off the show because like, all right, you know, this is becoming a, a crank fest here. You know, it's not crank yankers or something like that. So anyway, so I'll get to those calls in, in just a minute or so, but um, wanted to set things up here. So essentially what I'd like to set up here. And what I've been looking at now that we've moved away from the coaching staff and the firing of Terry Collins and all that stuff is where should the Mets go? 
And it's hard to gauge the trade market because, nope, I mean, the Marlins have put their players on the block. The Gordon, uh, Mike Stanton, uh, specifically, are two big names that are on the block. Uh, Martin Prado, another interesting name on the block. I don't know how feasible it would be for the Mets to acquire any of those players. I know Stanton would be the guy that everybody would want, and that actually complicates things a little bit because I don't think you acquire Stanton without giving up Michael Conforto. Now, maybe that's something that everybody's for. I'm not. I think Michael Conforto was a uh, a diversified hitter. He's a line drive hitter. I think he, you know, Stanton is a good player, a great player. I think he's very streaky. I think he certainly had a year, a tremendous year. But there was a point in time where he's also looked very bad up there. Uh, and he's had some really uh, uh, peaks and valleys. I don't think that I would trade Conforto in exchange for Stanton. I really wouldn't. And I know you guys are going to say that I'm crazy, but uh, he's had injury issues in the past. Um, you know, he's been playing in the, uh, uh, you know, it's really John Carlos Stan. I shouldn't say Mike Stan. Uh, John Carlos Stan. I keep calling him Mike Stan. I guess I'm the only one that, uh, you know, is stuck in a time warp here on that. Uh, but, I, I mean, you're not going to get John Carlos Stanton. You're not going to get John Carlos Stanton uh, without giving up something significant. So, you know, to me, uh, that's, that's exactly where, uh, uh, you know, this whole situation is going. You're going to have to give up the farm, and the Mets don't really have that, that ability. And, 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 and that's, I, I don't want to get into something. D. Gordon is an interesting name. Um, but personally, I don't, I don't know if you want to give up a ton for D. Gordon. That's the guy for second base uh, that you may want to take a look at. Um, but I'm not really sure right now that's the direction that they should go. And I really don't want to speculate on trades because I don't know what the Mets – I don't know what the Marlins really are willing to give up. I don't know what the Mets are willing to give up. I know the Mets farm system, with the exception of uh, you know Dominic Smith uh, – you know, being brought up, uh, then Rosario, guys like that. I don't think the Mets would want to give up. Maybe Smith, and I don't think that's a fit for the Marlins, but Rosario, I'm not sure the Mets would want to give up. I'm not really sure that's exactly how the Mets want to go. So I focused more on free agency because that's really what the first step here is. As we get to the winter meetings, maybe as more talks uh, play out, I think it would be more realistic to talk about the trade market. So I want to talk about the free agent market. So far, you have two websites. You have actually the Daily News, and then you have MLB Trade Rumors making some predictions uh, for what the you know the Mets would would want to where they would go and what how they would go about things. MLB Trade Rumors predicts that Todd Frazier would be an option for the Mets, and then they predict the Mets will sign him. And I think that's a, a pretty solid find if they could get him for three years and thirty three million dollars. That's one of the predictions that MLB Trade Rumors has. And then on uh, the Daily News, John Harper has the Mets getting uh, Eduardo Nunez, Brandon Kinsler, uh, and Jay Bruce, which is interesting as well. Uh, here's where I would go. And if you want to see where I would go with the Mets in terms of free agency, uh, I think Todd Frazier is definitely a target that the Mets should go after. I think he showed playing for the Yankees that he has that kind of grinder leadership qualities that I think this club is lacking. He's an on-base guy. He's definitely got pop. Um, I know he's a low batting average guy, uh, but I think right now what the Mets need is they need to recoup some of the home runs that they lost. Frazier would do that. 
I think defensively he's an upgrade at, at third base uh, for sure. Uh, and I think he has some of that it factor. You saw him, especially playing with the Yankees and going through that run. Fraser was a positive guy. He had enthusiasm. You need more guys like that. And he's a local guy. He's from here, he's from Toms River, New Jersey. I think that, that means a, a, a lot. I've said that the Mets, if he doesn't retire, should inquire what, about R.A. Dickey. I think R.A. Dickey is a guy that would give them innings. It would stabilize the rotation in the way that Bartolo Colon did at one time. I know Colon's name may come up, but I'm not quite sure at this point he translated his age. He p- pitched much better when he was with Minnesota uh, after he left Atlanta. Does he have something left? I mean, again, both Dickey and Cologne at their ages, they could just expire at any moment. I like the knuckleball pitcher better because I think that, that at that age, I mean, you saw guys like Phil Negro and Joe Negro pitch well into their, their 40s. Um, I mean, Jamie Moyer, he wasn't a knuckleball pitcher. He, he, he would almost pitch until he was 50. He was in his late 40s I, uh, when he was, he was still pretty effective with the Philadelphia Phillies. I think that would be the direction I'd go pitching-wise. And, and, and then the third one, and, and the big name here, is Eric Hosmer. And Eric Hosmer is a, is a guy that's going to give you some pop. He's going to give you defense at first. He's going to give you batting average. He has the, uh, the grind, the intangibles the leadership type of things that you're looking for. The Mets clubhouse, again, I keep going back, didn't really have a lot of grinders out there. They didn't have guys that really, not that they weren't interested in winning. I think that the veterans that were there before the trades were, but that was a clubhouse on cruise control. That was a dysfunctional team. That was a team that was taking it easy. Like you heard, playing for being a second-half team, looking to turn it on. They're not good enough to turn things on and off. They're not. No team really is, and I hate in this modern era of sports, you see it a lot in the NBA, especially with the resting and what goes on with the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. Oh, we'll turn it on when it's the right time. Well, sometimes that doesn't work. Most times that doesn't work. You can do that every once in a while, but it doesn't always work, and it's not the the process. You have to have a good foundation, a good process, good principles to go out there and win, and, and, and turning it on and off, that's not – the foundation you want. You want to bring in some guys that are going to add some spit and vinegar, but not guys that are just adding that, but that are good players. And I think those three would do that. Now, the other component of all this is how much money do the Mets have to spend? And you hear somewhere between 30 and $40 million. Now, acquiring those three players, if let's say if MLB trade rumors is right, Hosmer is going to cost about $22 million a year. Frazier is going to be about $11 million a year. And that might be low, he does have power, so you never know what other teams would be willing to give. R.A. Dickey, who would have made $8 million if they had a, a, exercised the option, uh, is probably going to make about $5 million, $4 million a base. He's not going to come back for a pittance. He'll retire before he does that. And then you'll have incentives and options that may bring it up. Uh, that doesn't leave you any room to add a reliever. Now, there's some relievers out there, guys like – and I like guys when I – I wasn't really excited about the Brandon Kinsler option. I know we went to Washington and pitched pretty well, but he's not a strikeout guy. I like guys that miss bats. I would consider Brian Shaw of Cleveland. There's a Mickey Calloway connection there. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Addison Reed. But these guys are going to make 7 to $10 million a year, maybe more, maybe 11 or 12 Relievers are going to be the ones that are going to get the bulk of the money because that's what's going to be the copycat syndrome here with how bullpens – 
were the big big part of the postseason. Now the Astros had to use their starters to navigate the ALCS and the World Series, and they successfully did that. But they were fortunate because their bullpen was a mess by the time the really during the Yankee series it was a mess. But by the time they got to the World Series, you couldn't even trust the closer then. So going this route, and I think the Mets need to really get a couple of offensive players and balanced offensive players. Not guys who just hit home runs, but guys that could provide defense. And Hosmer is an interesting one because you also may have the Red Sox in the mix here. And the Mets haven't won a bidding war against anybody in a long time. The last time you would really want to say that they won a bidding war was Carlos Beltran. That was a long time ago when they beat out the Houston Astros. And the Yankees really didn't participate in that one because at the last minute, Beltran, if all reports are correct, uh, they basically he, he basically offered his services to the Yankees. And, and, they, and Yankees were like, I got Bernie Williams. So the Mets haven't won one of these in a long time, and I don't know if they would go up to, against the Red Sox. And also for Hosmer, does he want to play in New York, or would he rather play in Boston? You know, guy, he seems to be, out of the Kansas City free agents, the one that everyone says would translate better because of that, again, those intangibles, those leadership qualities, that will to win. And you... If, if, and you Hard to describe it, but if you watch the Mets, and obviously you guys did watch the Mets against the Royals in the World Series, you saw that Hosmer was one of those guys that was one of the glue guys for the Kansas City team. And, and the Mets could bring up a couple of guys, Frazier and Hosmer, uh, that would you know come into play. So obviously that plan that I just laid out to you would preclude the Mets from bringing in, if the budget is what they say it is, a big reliever, $10, $12 million ilk. I don't know... Uh, exactly if that if I would believe everything that the papers put out there. I know everyone's speculating what kind of money the Mets have to spend, just like the Mets speculated all summer that Bob Guerin was going to be the manager of the Mets and that Sandy Alderson would only hire one of his guys. The one thing, and I think one of the surprises about the Mark Carrig article at the end of the year about Terry Collins, was that usually there's not a ton of leaks coming out of the Mets front office. And I think there was a huge leak coming out of the clubhouse, and I also think there were components of that story that came out of the front office. I know for a fact, because an agent had told me, Sandy Olsen doesn't like to play favorites with the media. He doesn't like to leak things. He likes everybody to get it at the same time. I don't think, I think he tries to run a management team that's free of that dysfunction. It's impossible with the amount of people that float around an organization to keep everything under wraps, but I'm not sure. Now, the owner, that's a different story. He, he probably is one of the leaks. And I mean Jeff Wilpon, not Fred. So that's another whole thing there. He might be leaking stuff. Uh, clearly could be leaking stuff. I would put him as one of the top leaks. And there's nothing you can do about that because if the owner wants to leak something, there's nothing you can do. But I'm not sure I would just take what the newspapers are saying, what the reporters are saying, because it's all speculation. Nobody, Sandy Olson has said that the payroll probably was higher than it really they wanted it to be this year. That doesn't mean with the right fit, with the right players, they won't go there. Let's also remember something. The Mets have some payroll that they may be able to shed. Uh, they may be able to shed a Juan Lagares. I mean, that's a guy that, that's making some money. So you have some guys there. You don't have many guys signed, but a Juan Lagares is one name that comes into play. Uh, who knows? I mean, they're going to tender. They obviously tender, they're going to tender Harvey a contract. But I mean, who knows how they, you know, how how that negotiation for a contract goes? So you don't know what kind of money you're speculating on arbitration and contracts and things for the RBL eligible players. You don't know exactly how much money they're going to have to spend, 
and I don't think it's going to preclude them from filling in important positions. Does that mean that they'll go after a Hosmer? I don't know. I don't know if they have it in them to go to the 20-22-plus type player. I think Frazier certainly is more in there. If you want to talk about being conservative with the way the Mets have historically spent their budget, I know Frazier fits more than Hosmer. But if I were the Mets, if you're serious about winning, I really think you've got to target one of the big bats. And I wouldn't go the Marlins route. I wouldn't go after uh, ripping apart what you do have in the farm system. I'm sure there's stuff they could trade to get any of these guys. Not sure about Stanton, but the other two guys they could get if they wanted Prado, they want to go that route, or D. Gordon. I'm not completely sold on D. Gordon being a great fit. I mean, I, I find him as a hitter pesky, but I've never really been a huge D. Gordon fan. I know he has speed. I feel like he gets probably paid a little bit too much for what he brings. But um, oh, anyway, that, that would be my target. Frazier, Hosmer, Dickey. I'd go out and go one of the, the, the second-tier guys, maybe like a Brian Shaw, maybe a Pat Nishik. I don't know if Addison Reed is considered a top tier. I think he falls into that second tier. I'm not – the Wade Davis, the Greg Hollins, you know, the guys who are going to make $15 million a year, we're not sure that it's realistic to go after those guys. You've got to be careful about giving these guys three- or four-year deals, guys who have a lot of mileage. Brandon Morrow out of the bullpen. You know, If a bullpen's managed properly, you'd be surprised with what you have. It's managed properly. You'd be surprised at what you can do with what you have. So let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, when I return, I want to hear what you guys have to say. And I'm going to you know, get out there and start to uh, hear what you have to say, and we'll have some fun with it. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at MetsMorizeOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Let's take a quick break, and we'll hear your calls right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back. Talking Mets podcast, and let's go to the phone line. So let's give it a shot. Our first foray into the call-in line. Let's see how things listen here and what's going on with it. So let's check it out. Let's all go to our first caller here. Hello, this is Robert, and I have a question. In his latest article of the biggest names to follow this offseason, Nick Apardo of the Boston Globe brought up Manny Machado, and he mentioned the Mets to be among the teams that could be interested in Machado should the Orioles decide to listen to trade office this offseason. What are your thoughts? Do you believe the Mets would make such a would take such a chance on a cornerstone player? And if so, how much would it take for him um, for them to keep him in Queens long term? Thank you in advance. 
Well, Robert, thanks for the call. Good way to start off. Good question. Interesting question. Well, first thing, amazing that Machado did have a down year. He was a below-league average player in the first half. He was more himself in the second half, but um, didn't have a great year by his standards. 259, 33 homers, 95 RBIs, uh, you know, OPS plus a 107, slightly above uh, league average. Uh, but, look, this is a guy with a pedigree. Gold glove player, a uh, guy who can probably hit 35, 40 home runs. He has stolen, you know, up to 20 bases in prior years. So he has a little bit of speed. Uh, you know, you're not watching him every day. A 24-year-old player like Manny Machado, who is going to be a free agent uh, in 2019. So you basically, the Orioles are looking at two more years, or one more year of free agency. Before free agency, you got one more year. I'm really not sure the Mets are in a position right now to to make that kind of deal. I mean, farm systems like the Yankees and, and, and other teams like the Braves and maybe the Phillies, teams that have been building up, I think are in better position. I think the Mets, if you were talking about the Mets from two or three years ago, if you were going to say a Mats or a Syndergaard, which I don't think they'd give up Syndergaard. I don't know if, I mean, if at this point, you know, I'm sure the Orioles would consider a package held, held by Syndergaard, but you'd have to give up a Conforto. You'd have to give up a young pitcher. Um, you'd have to give up uh, a couple of uh, uh, other players, I would think, to get Machado. And um, I just don't know if the Mets have it. And then the other part, and this goes back to how they made a Johan Santana trade, can you sign him? Because you have to pretty much, when you trade for him, sign him. You don't want to play the year out. You don't want to take the chance like they did with Mike Piazza back in 1998. The different situation. Piazza was a different guy. They gave up. Very little in that deal because the Marlins were dumping him. And uh, in this situation, you're going to give him a lot more. Look, if it's Stanton or Bachado, I cannot see how you're going to get away with not giving up Michael Conforto. And I think at that point, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're switching positions. Now, you could say or argue Machado's better. You want to add to this offense. You don't want to take away from it. And the Mets just don't have that stud. Now, Rosario depends on how the Orioles view Rosario. And uh, I don't know if his uh, showing at the big league level did anything to change that stuff. But um, Rosario and Dom Smith, I don't know if that'll get it done. I really don't. I, it's it's so the trade market is so tough to evaluate because you you don't know what teams want. And uh, I don't know if the Orioles are ready to trade him and 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 just walk away from him yet. I know there's been some rumors of that, but there's been no confirmation of that. So thank you, Robert. Good way to kick off the show. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, yes. My name is Brian. I'd like to know if the Mets have any intentions of uh, uh, re-signing uh, or picking up uh, either Lucas Duda or Jay Bruce or both. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for the phone call. Um, Lucas Duda is not somebody I... Th- now, I guess it goes back to how much money the Mets spend. If you ask me right now, who would I rather have at first base next year? Next year, Don Smith or Lucas Duda? I probably would pick Lucas Duda. I think he's a better bet at first base. With that said, I don't know if that's enough of an upgrade for the Mets to not put Dom Smith at first base. See, I don't think you should have Dom Smith and Rosario in the lineup next year and expect to contend. I think you're asking two guys to go through a lot of growing pains uh, and it's too much. And I didn't see enough from Dom. Dom Smith just didn't give me 
and I know that we've debated this on Twitter, and you guys may not like it. He didn't give me a feel. He didn't give me a good vibe. I don't know what it was. So maybe some of the lazy plays. Defensively, he didn't overly impress me. Yeah, he popped some home runs, but a really low batting average. Struck out a number of times. Struggled against lefties. I don't know if that should be a surprise. So to me, Duda would be a better option next year on a one-year deal, very affordable one-year deal. Now, does that mean that the Mets would go that route, and is that enough for them to not start Dom Smith? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, as far as Jay Bruce, if they can't get a Hosmer, I mean, Jay Bruce would be probably the next most realistic guy for them to get. That, to me, adds the clumsy factor to the outfield. I still don't like Conforto in center, although I've warmed up to him there. But if I can't get Eric Hosmer and improve the uh, first base uh, position, yeah, Jay Bruce would be the next best thing. But I also think you have to go out and consider really getting Todd. I think Todd Frazier is a big part of this. I think that's the guy. And I don't know what the Yankees' plans are with Frazier. They have Gleyber Torres. I don't know how the Yankees view Frazier and whether Frazier would want to come to the Mets if, if the money was even. So uh, good good call there, interesting call. But you know, to me, Bruce is more realistic, and only if they can't get Hosmer. See, Hosmer would be my number one target. Uh, and again, I, I, I've said that a billion times, not the first time, not the first podcast I've said that. Let's go back to the phone lines. Hello, this is the professor from Mesmerized Online. Um, we all know this year the New York Mets starting pitchers pitching was a big disappointment due in part, a large part, to injuries. So my task for you, my question is, give a prediction on next year who will rank the Mets starting pitchers and how they will do and for every pitcher that started a game for the Mets this year, give a rough estimate on how many innings they will pitch in 2018. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you, Professor. Uh, and yeah, this is an interesting little little question, and let's go through this. So I didn't prepare. Listen, I'm, I'm, I had an idea because I went through the transcripts of what you guys are asking, but I want to make this as real as possible and um, make sure that I'm doing it like a real call-in show. So let me start with DeGrom. So DeGrom, uh, I would say, is a lock. For, I hate to ever say lock. You never know what injuries. But DeGrom is the guy that's going to give you 200 innings. I think he's the most likely guy that you could feel confident in giving you 200 innings. Now, Syndergaard is interesting because Syndergaard in uh, 2016 gave 183 innings. Uh, coming off the lat, uh, let's keep him at 170 innings. Uh, we'll do 170 innings for Syndergaard. So Noah Syndergaard, 170 innings. Now the next. Now this is where it gets interesting because I'm, I'm assuming that they don't go out. Let's assume, because you didn't ask me, they go out and give themselves a veteran arm like an R.A. Dickey, like a clone, that type. I don't. By the way, I don't think the Mets are going to sign any, you know, you Darvish, uh, Lynn, any of those guys. I think the Mets are not going to sign a, a big-time starting pitcher. I think that they they feel they have talent. They brought Mickey Calloway in. They got Dave Island in here. They're going to try to go with a staff that, by the way, was third in baseball, or at least the National League. I think in baseball they were in the top five uh, in 2016, and then they – were last pretty much last year. I mean, look at Arizona. They were last the year before, and they made themselves the top five 
top 10, uh, depending on how you look at it with the league and National League. So turnarounds can happen. The Mets have talent here. The, the next part here, to get back to the professor's question, is pretty interesting because the name now is Matt Harvey. What can you predict out of Harvey? And that's so hard because if Matt Harvey was Matt Harvey, uh, Matt Harvey pitched 189 innings in 2015. You would say there's a 200-inning guy. But he hasn't even pitched 100 innings. He's pitched exactly 92 and two-thirds innings the last two years, exactly, um, which in the last two years has equaled up to the total innings he had in 2015. And uh, I just can't – I just don't know if uh, he has it in him. Right now, with, in, with effectiveness and, and injury, I can't put him for more than 125 innings. So I'm going to say 125 for Harvey because I just don't know. That's such a hard one at this point. Because for me to sit here and say I predict Harvey's going to be back to normal, uh, I can't. I can't. Um, the next one you would want to know, I guess, is Gazelman. And Gazelman is another guy, 125 innings. Steven Matz, maybe 150 innings, maybe. Because, I mean, that's, you know, that's, and then you've got Lugo, and I'm going to put him in the 125 to 150 range. So your two anchors are going to be DeGrom and Syndergaard. And now you see one, two, three, four, five, six. I've just rattled off six pitchers. I haven't got to anybody in the minors. Um, I haven't got to anybody like a veteran starter. They really need a veteran. They need a veteran starter. Maybe Now, yes, would, could they use a stud like a Darvish? Could they use a guy like that? Sure. Is that how they want to spend their budget? I'm not sure, because right now I think you've got two studs at the top of the rotation. You need to figure out a way to hedge your bet against the other four who are huge question marks from a health and performance perspective. I think the guy, if you told me which one of these guys is going to more than likely perform, Matt's to me, with his you know being healthy, has shown that he can be good and be a number three. Harvey, just to me, is all over the map. It's so hard to predict him. So hard. So hopefully that answers your question, Professor. Good question, good call. And I think what this exercise taught us is that the Mets need a veteran starter to give them innings. Absolutely, I think they need that. So let's go back to the phone lines. Hi, um, my name is Liz, and I live in California. Um, I became a Mets fan um, in 1969 when I was in high school living in New York. Um, I've lived in California for uh, at least 30 years. Uh, the Mets had um, plenty of awful hitting um, back then, um, but they had defense. Um, 69 was just an amazing year um, because I had never even watched a football, a baseball game. Uh, they usually won 2-1 to one or 3-2, to two, sometimes 1 to nothing. Um, one very important thing, Gil Hodges. What he did was at the end end of the game, um, he either the eighth or ninth inning, he would put in um, defense if we were leading, usually two, you know, two players, sometimes one, and it almost always paid off. And um, he, okay, what else? I, I wrote this down, and I, I just kind of scribbled it. Um, but, um, okay, so he, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And yet it, um, it, it cost them 
Okay, you never see. Okay, you never see the Mets do that now. You just, you just don't. They never put in defense, and it costs them many games a year. It, um, if he had um, hit and run, and let's say that you know we were down or, or tied, and he hit and run and had a runner on, he would always substitute for somebody who could run. Um, it, defense. He just did little things like that that I see that if we – I watch games and I, I see, if oh, if we just did that, we would have won. Um, we just won so many games by defense. It's just so important. The Mets never do that, and it's just it's frustrating to watch them. Um, in the, era, uh, the Arizona Fall League, I, I've noticed two players, the shortstop and the catcher, who are way above average defensively and should be in games late. Um, I'm not saying starters, but be in games late. The Mets, they, they will never win several games if they, if they would, or they would win several games if they would only um, understand the importance of defense. Um, and another thing, I would give T.J. Rivera a chance. Um, if not, <laughs> I just think we're going to see him having success like Justin Turner. There's just something about him. Um, and I'm sorry, but I would release, release Matt Harvey. He's had, he's a cancer in the clubhouse and has, um, he just seems to have lost it. And that's, uh, thanks Liz for the call. Interesting uh, phone call. Hey, first, um, some interesting points brought up there. Uh, when you talk about the 69 minutes and how the game was played and how that team was built on defense, I don't know if you could build a team like that today. It's almost baseball is almost like the NBA now, where if you're not shooting three pointers and you don't have an offense, you can't play like the Knicks did in the 90s and win. Now that doesn't mean you don't have defense; just defense is different. And I and she mentioned Luis Guillermo, who is in the Arizona Fall League, and Thomas Nitto who had a cup of coffee last year. The catching situation is interesting because I think Nitto is going to be a triple-A catcher. They're going to probably want to get a little bit more time from him, depending on how he is in the spring in triple-A, and go with Darno and Plowicki. I don't know how they're going to play the veteran catcher situation. I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money on a veteran catcher. And I don't know if a Rene Rivera uh, would come here and then be kind of a caddy or spend time at triple-A. I think he's past that at this point. Uh, so that who that triple-A, who that next Rene Rivera type, because you're going to need that. Thomas Nittle's probably the third catcher, the guy that's going to be the first call-up, and then they're going to get whoever their Crash Davis is for triple-A. And that'll be the guy that potentially, and I keep calling a Rene Rivera type because that's what Rivera turned out to be. But Guillermo is an interesting uh, name because he's going to have to be added to the 40-man roster. He is a defensive-minded player. He's a guy that walked more than he struck out in Binghamton. He seems to be working and improving offensively, putting a lot of time in there, and wants to dispel this idea that because he has no power, there's no role for him. Now, certainly he probably profiles as a utility guy and a defensive replacement, but you never know. As far as T.J. Rivera, I agree with her. I wouldn't give up on T.J. Rivera. T.J. Rivera so far has played 106 games in his big league career over two seasons. He's got about 345-ish plate appearances. He's hitting over 300. He's got about eight home runs, 43 ribbies, uh, OPS above league average at 106. Um, he could play multiple positions. 
I, you know, I know he doesn't walk a ton, but I would, you know, but he's he's one of those guys, he's a local guy again, guys who have a winning attitude. I think T.J. Rivera falls into that. Too bad we didn't get a chance to see more of him. He had the Tommy John surgery. Don't know if he's going to be ready, but um, you know that that to me I agree with. As far as getting rid of Matt Harvey, I know that that that's a feeling with a lot of fans. You can't just give up a talent like that. They're going to have to see what they got there. He's got one more year. If he has a big year and they're in the race, then they'll just go with it. If he doesn't have a big year, uh, he's a free agent at the end of the year. You move on. And who knows, if, they're, if he has a good year and they're out of the race, which you know hopefully doesn't happen, but anything's possible, maybe they trade him in and get something for him. So who knows? So thanks for the call, Liz. Let's, let's go back to the phone line. Let's see who's next. Yeah, hi, Mike. Mike Lloyd here, um, long-time uh, uh, responder on MMO. I wanted to give the uh, Mets their due uh, for their managerial hiring and coaching staff construction. Um, I do admit I prefer seeing Tuffle on the staff because of his um, acumen with defensive shifts and his ability to position players properly, but say la vie. Uh, I'd love to see the Mets go out and sign uh, Todd Frazier. Uh, Frazier would repa- uh, replace some power lost uh, from Duda uh, and Bruce. Uh, he can play third and first. Um, if Wright is healthy, he could be an excellent platoon partner for Dom Smith. Um, give uh, Wright two days a week on the bench. Um, it also allows the Mets then to uh, deal Wilmer Flores. I'd love for them to uh, deal... Um, Flores and uh, D'Arno, they're controllable young assets. Um, they um, have good value, both players. Um, I think they've reached their potential with the Mets, and I think that you could procure some um, young talent in other areas of need, uh, younger pitching, uh, both starting and relief, and that's a good idea, really, in my view. I think Paul Lecky is for real. Uh, I love him defensively a lot more than uh, Darnell. Uh, I would uh, sign a veteran understudy to give Paul Lecky a blow, and this way you have Nito at AAA if you need him. So that's my comments for today, and be well, Mike. Bye. Thanks for the call. Interesting stuff. So in that scenario, you're looking to trade Flores and Darno. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you bring in Frazier and you bring in a Hosmer, you probably should trade Flores because I think at that point, where does Flores play? Do you put him at second? Oh, no. And it goes back to Liz when she talked about defense. I mean, do you realize the Mets won or got to a World Series, won a pennant with Flores at short and Murphy at second? I don't know if Flores, unless he's going to spell a little bit, maybe you spell Frazier on a day off, spell Hosmer if he's a first, you know, at first base. Um, now, if Dom Smith is your first baseman, you're going to need Flores He's got because he's the hedge. If Smith flops, then maybe Flores, I think, can play first every day and give you fairly decent defense, and it give you probably enough offense there. But to me, Flores is an American League player. He's probably a DH. I just don't see, other than first base and infield position, that uh, is, you know, is, um, is viable. I'm not a Darno fan. I've never really been a Darno fan. Every time he, I've tried to have him win me over. He kind of just bothers me. Nice guy. I've met him. Really nice guy. I just, I just think he's a backup. And and as far as Plowicki, um, you know, I didn't realize Plowicki had a 360 on base percentage this year. Um, 
in the big leagues, 100 at-bats, not much. I mean, look, Plowicki has a chance to win a position in spring training. And uh, I would have them. Uh, I would have him. I throw Nitto in it. I think you go back to if you trade Darno. Certainly, maybe you think about bringing a Rene Rivera back because I think that's the kind of guy that fits into the budget. I mean, maybe there's a, a Wellington Castillo. I mean, that's a guy uh, with the Orioles' defensive guy. He might cost some money if you want to go that route. Uh, if you trade Darno, but I wonder what would you get for Darno. And Flores, I don't know how Flores is viewed for his bat, uh, you know, out there. Wellington Castillo, yeah, Wellington Castillo. That's a guy who's probably going to cost you a little bit. And that's a guy who's played, you know, not every day, but but enough. Guy could hit 20 home runs. So I don't think the Mets are going to go that right. I think the Mets are going to play this Darno thing out to the very end. And I think they're going to spend their money elsewhere. I don't think they're going to trade those guys. So a great call. Thanks for the call. Let's go back to the phone lines. Hey, Mike, it's Don from Westchester. I keep hearing that there's only a $30 million maximum amount for the Mets to spend on this offseason for 2018. I don't know how they can fill all their needs, both starting pitching, relief pitching, the outfield, and getting an infielder. They also don't have the prospects to make these deals work. I don't know what they're going to do with only $30 million. The Wilpons have to open up their pockets and spend like a New York team. What do you think? Well, Don, I don't know what they have to spend, but all I can tell you is this, is what I said in the open. Don't just assume what the writers are saying is true. The writers are speculating based on a lot of incomplete information. And I keep going back, like I said, to the um, the whole manager thing where you heard it was going to be Bob Guerin or somebody that they, Sandy knew. It was very uninspiring names throughout the whole year. And then they came up with a really good bunch of interesting names including Mark DeRosa, who's a broadcaster. And uh, they thought out of the box. And, and I think that, you know, Sandy's not as tone deaf maybe as we think. We'll see. I think the owner, Fred Wilpon, could be a little tone deaf, but Sandy is not. Now, if it's $30 million to $40 million, then they're going to have to go value shopping. That means maybe it's a Duda, like the old caller said earlier. And maybe they go and they go and get themselves a Brian Shaw or Brandon Kinsler, which I think they're going to do anyway. Uh, then they're going to have to go with the, the, the vet, you know, already, look, basically with the budget you're giving me, if you're going to go down and make it a hard $30 million, you can't go out and get an impact bat. You can't go out and get Hosmer. And you probably can't go out and get Bruce because Bruce is probably going to get $20 million a year. Uh, you're basically telling me then, you could pr- may, and Frazier fits kind into that, but I think, you know, MLB Trade Rumors has him at three years, $33 million. I think he might get more. I mean, he's got power. He showed people something in the playoffs, and that tends to get players paid. So um, what I would say to you is just sit back and let's see if that's true. Don't just assume that uh, the writers are, are speaking uh, out of any kind of knowledge other than opinion. Sometimes that's very cloudy if they read through the lines. Nobody has had a sourced report that that's exactly it, and I don't think they know. So thanks for the phone call. Yes, I just wanted the message I wanted to leave. It's on the Mets uh, uh, site here that the Mets should give uh, Mickey Janis, a knuckleball pitcher, an opportunity to uh, make the big league team this year. I think he would be a big asset uh, to the Mets moving forward. My name is Tom Snell. I'm a Minnesotan but an avid Mets fan. Well, thank you. Calling out for Minnesota. So if you don't know, Mickey Janice is a knuckleballer. 
He's a guy that they signed from the Long Island Ducks a couple of years ago. Uh, kind of going the Stephen Wright, R.A. Dickey route. Had a decent year at Binghamton, 8-7, 3.60 ERA. And he's been making some noise with his performance in the uh, Arizona Fall League. I don't know if it's up here yet. No, they don't have the, the Fall League stats up there in uh, on baseball reference. Let me see if I could get that. But uh, do I think a guy like that is a great story and uh, should uh, you know be given a shot in spring training? I mean, he's, the 40-man roster is very jammed. Um, I don't see. You know what? I'm trying to find. He's playing for the Scottsdale Scorpions. Yeah, I just don't I just don't have his um his stats here for the Arizona Fall League. So um I don't think he's gonna get a forty man roster spot. I'll tell you what, the Mets forty man right now the Mets have thirty five players on the forty man roster. And they need to add potentially Guillermo, Luis Guillermo, who we just talked about. Uh, another name, and by the way, I want to give credit to uh, John Sheridan over at MetsMarizedOnline.com for some good work on uh, laying out who the Mets potentially could lose in the Rule 5 draft. So these are Rule 5. got to remember, there's guys that could lose the Rule 5 draft. Guillermo's a guy they're going to lose if they don't protect him in the Rule 5. Gerson Bautista is one of the arms they got from the Red Sox for Addison Reed, and, and he's definitely a big arm. They're going to want to protect him. Adonis Yuseta is a relief pitcher. Uh, that had a good year last year. They may want to protect him. Tyler Bachelor is another name out there. Corey Oswalt, who had a good year in big of him. These are guys that are Rule 5 eligible. Now, if there are teams that are bad that want to give these guys a shot, and you saw that with the Cardinals with Matt Bowman, and the Mets did it with Sean Gilmartin a couple of years ago, and there's a lot of teams that may not be planning on winning in 2018, they'll put these guys on the roster, and they'll say, hey, we think he has talent. Uh, whether it's out of the bullpen or as a starter, and then you know they, they're 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 their property. Mets may have to use the five open spots they have now for Rule Five guys. Now that doesn't mean they can't drop a Matt Reynolds. I know he's still on the forty-man roster. I'm actually going to bring up the Mets forty-man roster here. The reason I bring that up is that Mickey Janis, who's not one of those guys, uh, you know, is going to have to earn a spot from the minor league side in um, in spring training. So. Uh, you know, the Mets are going to have Mets 40-man roster. Let's bring that up right now. Uh, the Mets are going to have – they have a really tight roster. And they actually dropped about five guys, like Tyler Pill they dropped. They dropped um, Travis Tyrone, Phil Evans. They resigned him to a minor league deal. He was interesting. He's a guy that might – you know, I think he's a minor league depth, but he's a guy that showed some some pop with the bat. Eric Goodell, Wilmer Becerra, who was one of the outfielders they got in the R.A. Dickey trade with uh, Toronto when they got uh, Darno and Syndergaard. So the Mets still have, and let me bring up their 40-man roster. If you want to go to their active roster, so they got guys. So some of the guys that may be you know, in danger here, uh, I mean, I don't want to say Montero because I think Montero's up nine, you know, 25 lives, but... The only name I look at here, and I know that I think I think from what I've read, Sandy Alderson likes him is Matt Reynolds. That's the one name. So maybe, maybe. But look, if they're going to sign three free agents, and that really leaves only two spots on the roster. So maybe Hansel Robles. That's another guy that I would think about maybe dropping. Uh, Marcus Molina is still on there. He's a prospect. I don't know what they think of Kevin McGowan. It's going to be tough. Chris, Chris Flexen. It's the Mets roster is jam packed, guys. It's it's tough. So it's it's going to be really really tough to um, you know to do that. So anyway, 
Um, let's go back to the phone lines. Mike, this is my question for your call-in show. My name is David. I go by the moniker uh, E. For the Mets next year, uh, do you see them? I'd like to hear you guys talk about how they emphasize their defensive capabilities. I think the last couple of years there have been too many uh, miscues in the field, and we know Alderson has always talked about how defense is probably the third or fourth priority on his uh, list behind power and uh, strikeouts for pitchers. But it seems to really hurt the Mets in some in-game situations when they can't turn double play or can't field the ball. And you look at the Astros, you look at the Cubbies, you look at the Dodgers. You know, these teams are really, uh, that are succeeding, have great defensive players. And I know we have Ligaris and Rosario, uh, but really interested in it. We have some defensive gems out there with Cabrera potentially paying, playing third next year. I mean, that's not something that gets me too excited. And Cespedes and Conforto in left and right, again, that's a question mark. So interested in who we might have out there, if there are any answers within the system, or if it's going to be, you know, more of the same and uh, making our pitcher sometimes labor through some tough innings. All right, Mike, hope you uh, take this call. Take care. Thanks for the call. You know, it's interesting. I didn't even bring up Cabrera and his role because when I talk about Todd Frazier, I talk about second base. See, I, I think Cabrera will be – and I know that Mark Keurig said that doesn't, bringing Cabrera back doesn't preclude them from going after or bringing back Jose Reyes. Um, but, I mean, I still think Cabrera is a guy you want to probably keep to about 350 at-bats, maybe play a little second, play a little third – I guess here and there he could play short, but it sounded like they're trying to keep him away from that. I think the big thing I would say about defense, and was one of the things that drove me nuts the entire time Collins was manager, is I never felt that anybody was held accountable. There always seemed to be sloppy, mindless play. And sure, defense is also about talent and, 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 and what you had out there, and you certainly didn't always have the best defensive players. I mean, for crying out loud, you had Lucas Dude in the outfield at one point, you had, like I said earlier, Flores and Murphy up the middle. You didn't have great defensive players throughout, but I never felt players were held accountable for a fundamental play. It, well, you know, they made a bad play, and well, that's it. Well, they made a bad play. They weren't benched. There was no. It didn't seem like there was any accountability, and I hope that Mickey Calloway brings that. I hope this coaching staff brings that. I hope that there's a more of an emphasis on that, and there's about holding players accountable. That's it. You know what? You don't want to play fundamental. You don't want to play heads up. It's not about – it's about maximizing what you physically can do and playing fundamental, being in the right position for a cutoff throw, throwing to the right base, playing heads up. That's not – that doesn't require talent. That's a fundamental basic thing a big league uh, player should bring to the table. So, But you brought up Cabrera, and I know you – you know offensively, he's still a very, very much – above league average, very solid offensive player. If he could give you what he gave you the last couple of years at third, that's not a bad situation. Is he as good as someone like Todd Frazier? Is he going to be uh, an upgrade defensively from what they've had? We'll see. I didn't think he was that bad defensively at third base at the end of the year. And I don't think he played enough to use any kind of metrics. But, um, you know, I, I, I guess what you can say is, you know, does Cabrera preclude the Mets from signing Frazier? I guess we'll see. I guess it also depends, goes back to the questions about the budget and how much money the Mets have to spend. Let's go back to the phone lines. Yeah, uh, my name is Bob, uh, uh, current 20-game uh, package holder. Alex is my rep. Uh, 
I'm, my question is, uh, what do you feel about using draft picks in trades, uh, amateur draft picks, especially with a rebuilding team like the Miami uh, Marlins? Uh, Mets are interested in a couple of their players. And also, if they are going to sign a free agent, they would lose their number three draft pick. If I anticipate signing a free agent, I would use that pick in a trade, use that third and or fourth and fifth, so that if you do sign someone, instead of losing a third pick, you'd lose a, well, have a great day. Well, thanks for the call. Now, I went through the CBA and the new CBA, and, and you can't trade draft picks. I know that there's the competitive balance picks, and I know you could trade slot money. It is it used to be much simpler to play GM with this stuff. It's much more complicated. Not as complicated as the NBA salary cap, but complicated. Do I think baseball in the next collective bargaining agreement should maybe think about teams being able to trade draft picks? Sure. I, I think it would be an interesting idea. And um, uh, it would add the element like in the NBA. And I guess teams probably, especially rebuilding teams, would probably go for it. I think the only thing that's different between the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball and why it still would be hard for teams to just trade players and get draft picks back is that you just don't know. Jill Sherman had a great article in the New York Post this weekend where he talked about how everybody wrings their hands about Justin Turner and Daniel Murphy and how, how can the Mets let them go. And you could probably make the argument about Murphy – to a certain degree, but Turner, I, I can't. No one could predict Turner and what he turned out to be. But the Astros gave up on J.D. Martinez. The Astros drafted Mark Capel over Chris Bryant. You know, teams make mistakes. The draft is a crapshoot. Um, you don't know. And, you know, look, the, maybe the Astros would have drafted Chris Bryant, and he wouldn't have turned out, to, and Mark Capel turned out to be a top-of-the-rotation, Justin Verlander-type starter, and everyone would have been saying, well, you know, they got a third baseman, but everybody hits home runs and power and you just don't know. So uh, I think it would be interesting if the league allowed it, but uh, right now they don't, unless I'm missing something. If you guys want to shoot me a te- uh, you know, at Mike Silva Media, I went through. I said, did I miss something? But no, you can't trade draft picks. But thanks for the call. Let's hey, Mike. This lines. is Alex out of Las Vegas. Uh, got a question for, for uh, your call-in show. I wanted to know if the Mets are willing to go cons- uh, break away from the conservative Met, uh, nature of their drafting for the MLB draft and uh, go uh, maybe with a high schooler if that's the best player available. I'm specifically looking at Nolan Gorman uh, from San Sandra Day O'Connor High School. He's a third baseman, and I wanted to know my question: if they're willing to break away from the uh, the college guys and go uh, high schooler, if that's the best player available when the MLB draft takes place in uh, 2018. Thanks, Mike. Uh, that's my question, Alex from Las Vegas. Bye bye. Thanks for the call, Alex. I really have never got a feel for what the Mets draft strategy is. Um, I mean, they've drafted high school players, I and mean, they drafted Nimmo. Uh, they drafted um, Dom Smith, who was high school. I don't know if they've ever really had a draft. I don't know what their draft strategy is. I know Paul De Podesta was running it, and now he's gone. Um... You know, Adam Fisher left the organization. There's a lot of different things that have that have gone on in terms of the draft. 
the Mets haven't had an impact player. Nimmo's not an impact player. Gavin Cicchini's not an impact player. Dom Smith, we'll see. And I know that they've passed on some impact players, guys like Corey Seager and, and what have you. So I, I really wish I could give you a better answer. I don't know what the Mets draft strategy is. I really don't. I know that they've had some component players, and I know that with Rosario, and, and, and that's more of an international situation, maybe maybe they focused a little bit on the international uh, market. They had some interesting players, Mark Bientros, uh, this past year. Uh, We'll see how this year's draft goes, but um, I, I don't think the Mets have an aversion to high school players. I think they have their own draft philosophy, and I really don't think they've ever really told anybody or nobody's ever investigated it in the media to see what is the philosophy. What are the Mets looking for when they draft? I mean, that's more of a Baseball America piece than a New York Post piece, but maybe that's something that uh, we could take a look at as the, you know, the winter goes on. Let's go back. Got a couple more calls here. Let's go back to the phone lines before we wrap up. Yeah, this is Jake, and just uh, for the Mets offseason, I mean, you look at how every team with Jose Reyes either collapses, underachieves, or becomes a disaster. So that means that every team he's gone, the Blue Jays were a very talented team with Reyes. They couldn't win with him. They got rid of him. Remember, Tulowitzki didn't hit at all, and yet they went to the ALCS two years in a row. The Mets were a World Series contender. They ended up finishing 22 games over five, under 500 with Reyes. It doesn't matter who they bring in, whether it's Moustakis, whether it's Arietta, if this guy is anywhere near the team, they will not even finish 500. And I told everyone before the 2017 season the Mets would be a disaster with this guy on the team. Do not make the same mistake because now the damage will be permanent. You will not be able to go back because already Collins had to go. And more than, we already saw the damage. Guys had to be traded away. You bring this guy back, it's going to affect the new coaching staff, and it's going to set up years of losing if they bring this guy back because now... You have another losing season. Now you got to start from the bottom all the way at the bottom. So you do not want to make this mistake again. So let everyone know if they ever have any idea of what they're doing. You do not bring back this guy. Well, I know he's Jake has called the every other call-in show with that. And look, I don't know if I agree with that. I know that there was, and even Howie Rose had talked about this on OR, WOR a couple of weeks ago that there was some issues with Terry and Cespedes. I don't know if that was Reyes' fault. Um, I don't know if Terry managed the Latin players very well during his tenure. I think he always used to have trouble with Latin players. I don't know if that really ties into Reyes. I think if anybody was more of a vociferous troublemaker, it would be Cabrera, and they brought him back. I think the Mets, with Callaway and how they went that route, are pretty in tune with the clubhouse and the clubhouse culture. And I think Cespedes is a guy you definitely want to keep an eye on. If Reyes is a problem, and I really would be surprised if he is, I think everything you talk about is just a straight coincidence. Reyes is not the reason why the Mets pitchers went from third in the league to the last. It's a lot of things. If anything, it would be more of Dan Worth and Terry Collins being poisoned than Jose Reyes. I wouldn't mind seeing Jose Reyes back, and I'll tell you why. You better have yourself a hedge if Rosario is a bust. Because if Rosario is not ready, and he may not be, Who's going to play shortstop? It's not going to be a, a Shribble Cabrera. He's already pretty much shown he can't play shortstop every day at his age. He doesn't have the range. Uh, you need somebody, and that might be Reyes. And, you know, I mean, well, Guillerme, uh, is that the guy you want to put in there? We just talked about him. I mean, he's a guy who's in double A. I mean, you don't know. You need to have a veteran. And, again, the Mets don't have a lot of 40-man roster spots, so I don't know if Reyes gets a big league deal. Are there other teams out there that want him? 
I don't know. I'd have to see what the market is, but Reyes is probably going to garner a big league deal. He's going to he's not going to come as a minor league uh, free agent trying to make the team, and um, you know he's going to make a few million bucks. So I think the Mets need to really seriously consider bringing him back because they really don't have a backup option that's experienced. And remember, the focus here is about winning a championship, contending, and making a playoff spot. This is not a rebuilding team. If they're a rebuilding team and my attitude will be different. All right, one more phone call before we wrap up. Let's go to the phone lines for one last phone call. With the recent payroll restrictions on the Mets, which I'm hearing are between 20 to $30 million worth of spending, where are the three biggest needs for the Mets in 2018? This is Brad. Thanks. Brad, you're the coup de grace here. You're the, 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 the cap on the whole night, and uh, I think I outlined that in the – opening and talked about it. I know that I said I'd like to stay away from talking about going after the Marlins players because I don't know if going after Stanton is realistic. I'm not sure how much I love D. Gordon and to spend allocated payroll on him. I think the Mets need to go out and get an impact bat, and I talk about uh, Hosmer uh, being the guy I would target, and then maybe Jay Bruce if Hosmer doesn't come through. I think Todd Frazier and, and shoring up third base and bringing in some of those leadership qualities and moving Cabrera more to a sub-role is the direction I would go. And I think they need a veteran starter that could give them innings. I'm not saying about a Hugh Darvish or a Lance Lynn, those top of the, you know, Alex Cobb, some of those guys who are more twos, three, one, twos, and threes in terms of pitchers. I'm talking about R.A. Dickey, Bartolo Colon, innings guys, guys who give you quality innings, veterans who are going to stay healthy. And, and both Colon and, and Dickey actually, despite their age, actually fall into that. And, uh, and then they need to go and get themselves a bullpen arm. And, and like I said in the open, I don't know if they're going to go after the Wade Davises or the Greg Hollands of the world who are going to cost a lot, but I could see them going after a Brian Shaw with that Cleveland connection with uh, Mickey Calloway, maybe bring back Addison Reed. You know, Brandon Kinsler's name has come up. I'm not as crazy about him. He's a guy that, that doesn't miss as many bats as the other guys, but, you know, that's what I would say are the needs and where the Mets need to go. So anyway, uh, great show, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. So much to talk about. And I hope uh, you got something out of it. I thought the calls were great. I thought it went well. It was clean. I like this format. I think we're going to do it again. I think I'm going to push this to be once a month. And the next time we're going to do this is either into the winter meetings, probably the day after, that weekday after, that Thursday after the winter meetings is over. We'll probably do this again. And hopefully we get as many good calls, good commentary, and continue to do that. So I think this works better than the live call-in show. Of course, you know, we'll see. There's always a chance we go back to the live, but I, I think this 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 really does. Hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Of course, I want to thank the great folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Of course, send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. You get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Be well, and uh, see you next week. Take care.